Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit promised in Joel 2.28, and we equip for the outpouring so that we may engage in the outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. These few weeks before our convention, which is going to be June 29th through July 2nd in Jasper, Arkansas at the Ozark Glory Tabernacle, and you're all welcome to come. <laughs> we are giving the speakers an opportunity to share a little bit about what the Lord is putting on their hearts for this convention. And I'm one of the speakers. So I'm going to share what the Lord has given to me as a download. It's called On the Edge of Breakthrough. So welcome to the podcast today. We are really excited about this convention that's coming up and about all that God is going to do. It has mm -hmm. been such a life-changing thing for, for all of us, really. Can you think of some life-changing events that have happened to you at convention? Oh, yes. It's just a just amazing yes the outpouring of the holy spirit and you know this this is uh this will be my 40th convention this year really yeah this wow. will be number 40 and you go away changed yes and because the presence of god was just so strong it's just the you know and we get a lot of speakers and and we hear many of them say we've never experienced the glory like we had like we've seen here and that comes with a price. Oh, yeah. That's through the founder, and, and that's through fasting and prayer, and that's one of the initiatives we have is, you know, is we, we fast for God's anointing in our life. That's true. And that just makes all the difference. It's true. Uh, our founder, Gwen Shaw, when the Lord called her into the ministry, uh, she, she was a Bible school student at the time. He called her to China. She went to China. And then some years later, of course, she had to escape from China uh, when the communists were taking over. But uh, she went to Taiwan for a while. She went to Hong Kong for a number of years. And at one point, there was a, a point in time where, where she met a man that had an anointing like she had never seen before. And she, she came in through this move of God at her Bible school that... You know, someone who had been at, at Azusa Street brought it, you know, and, and they just, they stopped their classes so that yeah, they could was, have a move of the Holy Spirit. It's powerful. But this man had an anointing that she'd never seen before. She said, what is the secret of your power? He said, you really want to know? She said, yes. He said, the Lord gave me a 30-day fast on water. And ever since then, revival fire has followed me everywhere I go. Wow. You know, that's not a fast that you just do yourself. You have oh, no. to hear from God. <laughs> Anytime you're fasting on water like that, you have to know it's the Holy Spirit. Yes, absolutely. But when, when the Lord gives you a fast, it's a gift. Yes. It's a gift. It's not like, oh, no, I don't want, I don't want, to, I don't want to fast. I don't, I don't want to stop eating. I love my food. Well, well sometimes we, we say that, you know. It's... Well, yeah, sometimes <laughs> we do. But, but when God gives you a fast, it's like he puts his hand over your mouth. Yes. And it's it's like there's there's nothing, there's no temptation, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you might get tempted, but but it's like there's a there's a grace to fast yeah. that comes with it, uh -huh. and you can deliberately choose not to not to receive that grace, but you can you can have such an appointment with God. Yes, Amen. 
And and we've we've had those appointments with God, and and it's yes. that it's that foundation of fasting that raises up the general anointing in a, in a meeting. And when you gather a whole bunch of people that have fasted twenty one days, you know everybody comes with their own individual anointing to an event like this. And when you have that many people that have fasted like this, and so they have this bigger anointing, the synergy that comes when you mm. get together with a people group like that is just amazing, and God oh. just shows up in such amazing ways. You just feel the presence of God when you walk into the place, and 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 God does wonderful, wonderful things. So I want to give just a teensy bit of the download that the Lord is giving me. I haven't, I haven't probably even gotten the whole thing, but I want to give you a little bit of a teaser of what he's, what he's spoken to me as, as I was praying this morning. Okay, so what's the Lord showing you? Okay, well, I, I. Well, uh, before you share an answer, is that you know when the, you know, we have a morning routine, we do. You know, we get up early, we have a time of worship, and and then we go have our prayer time. And then we sit down and we reread. We have about three different places we read in the Bible. You know, it's a chapter in each one. And then we take communion together. Then I just go and get get ready for the day. But if I see Sharon sitting in her chair and she's got her journal or, and I know she's getting a download, I, I just leave her alone. <laughs> and then if she wakes up in the morning and she's getting a download, that changes everything because that's that's priority. You know, anytime God starts giving you something, that's a priority. You must write it down because it's you, true. you may lose it. It's true. It's true. I didn't get very deep into my prayer time, and all of a sudden I started getting all of these thoughts coming to me. And, and the title that came to me was On the Edge of Breakthrough. Yes. And when you're on the edge of breakthrough, the, 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 the Bible story that came to me was David at Ziklag. And that, that story comes from uh, 1 Samuel, around chapter 27, David had been fleeing from Saul and had had the two encounters with Saul where he showed him, Saul, I'm, I'm not here to hurt you. you. You don't have to be out there to hurt me. <laughs> yeah. but, but David probably felt that it would be safer for him to hang out among the Philistines than to hang around where Saul might get him. Isn't that kind of going in dangerous territory? You would think so. <laughs> and <laughs> earlier he had gone to Achish, the, the uh, king of Gath, which was one of the Philistine city-states. And, you know, Achish said, wait a minute, what's, what's with this guy? He's, he's the one that, that they sang these songs about uh, Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands, and they were Philistines that they were talking yeah. about. yeah. So, you know, that's when David, you know, pretended to be ma a madman and let his let his spittle dribble on his beard and he's he scraping at the door and they, you know, they just threw him out. So, <laughs> but he goes back again. Only this time he has 600 men with him. And, you know, by this time he's built quite an army. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this king of Gath, I don't know what he was thinking, but God gave him the grace to say, okay, David. Come hang out with us. Maybe he was thinking that, that you know, their enemy was Saul. Mm -hmm. So maybe he was thinking, well, let's, let's get this guy on our side. Yeah. And so, you know, he welcomes him and he gives him the little town of Ziklag to go with his army and live there. Well, you know, by this time, David had a couple of wives and, and he was, and the, the men had wives and families too. So, you know, this became a community and, 
David would go out with his men and actually what he was doing was just following the word of the Lord that he had given through Moses to Joshua to clean up this land. This land, I've given Mm -hmm. this land to you. I've given it to you and your descendants. And actually, Ziklag was one of the cities that that was spied out and given into the territory of Judah. So David was from the tribe of Judah. He was just cleaning up Judah. So he, he went down into that area, and, and he was cleaning up one little town after another and leaving nobody to tell the story. So mm-hmm. Achish didn't really know what was going on. And, you know, he, when he asked David, he said, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm just hanging out. You know, just uh, I've been, been going against the south of Judah and against the, the south of the Jeremielites and against the <laughs> south of the Kenites. And, you know, he's just hanging out there going against all these inhabitants, you know, and, and, and Achish thinks he's going after his own people. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, you know, David's cleaning house. So then it comes time for them to go to battle again with Saul. The Philistines are gathered together. I won't go into the story of Saul so much. You know, that's when he went after the witch of Endor and, and learned that he was going to die in the battle. And, and meanwhile, Achish is ready to take David and his guys with them to the battle. But the lords of the Philistines said, uh-uh, no, 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 no. And he did have an um, ulterior motive, if you want to say that. Because in um, in First Samuel chapter 27 and verse 12, David gave the story to Achish about uh, what he had just done. And Achish believed David, saying, He hath made his people Israel utterly to abhor him. Therefore, he shall be my servant forever. Yeah, that's what he thought. That's okay, what he thought. so so here's the here's the motive. You know, he's going to maybe like counter espionage or yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something to make it work for him. Right. So he takes David and his men with him to the battle, or to to gather with the armies of the other the other Philistine kings, and the other Philistine king says, "No, no, 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 no. You're not bringing him with you because he might turn on us <laughs> yeah. in the battle. You don't know." You don't know this guy. And so in order to please the other kings, he sends, Achish sends David back to Ziklag. Mm-hmm. However, when he got back to Ziklag, the place had been burnt. The Amalekites had come, abducted all the women and children, and took them along with them and left the place burnt to the ground. Oh, they burnt the city. And David's men were so disheartened because they'd lost their families and they'd lost their homes. They're ready to stone David. So David, in the meantime, when, when we go over to chapter 30, it says that David encouraged himself. Yeah. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God, in Jehovah his God. And you hear, read that in the Psalms now and then too. Yes. Where David encouraged himself. Yes. And it's interesting that the that the word the word ziklag means winding. Hmm. And that reminds me of the word in I don't think it's the same word, but it reminds me of the word in Hebrew for um waiting on the Lord and David was definitely hmm. somebody who knew how to wait on wait the on. Lord. Yes. Uh-huh. And and one of the meanings of that word is to bind together by twisting. Mm-hmm. It it also means to gather. But the one that, that sounds like Ziklag, it sounds like winding, 
mm-hmm. is this this idea of of binding together by twisting. And when when we're waiting on the Lord, and David was definitely one who did that. When you're waiting on the Lord, it's like it's like you're twisting yourself around him and he's twisting yourself around you, twisting himself around you. And it's it's a binding together that gives you strength. It gives you everything that you need. It gives you the grace that you need to move forward with the thing that God has called you to do or to 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 bring yourself into an obedience that maybe you didn't really want to do, but he gives you the grace to do it. And and so David encouraged himself in the Lord and he goes to the priest and he he inquires of the Lord. He says, "Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them?" And he answered him, "Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover Cover all." all. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. So he they go with the 600 men and and I don't want to take too much time with the story, but they go and and they they did exactly what God back. said. They yeah. recovered all. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, there's this battle going on between Saul and the Philistines. And Saul and his son Jonathan fall in the battle. And the next thing that happens is that David now can become the king. Mm-hmm. At first, the, the tribe of Judah set him up as king. And then later... Later, he became king of all Israel. I'm not trying to make a big story out of all of that. But the point is that just before the breakthrough, mm-hmm. where David became king, he had been anointed years before. Yeah. Years. He was still a teenager, probably, when he was anointed. Mm-hmm. And he didn't become king until he was 30. Yeah. You know, that's a long time to be waiting for your dream to come true. Yeah, so so just sometimes you get a prophetic word, or the Lord just gives you something, right? And you know, in this uh, in this life that we live, I want it now, right? You know, that's the way we're geared. If you need you need something, look at it on the internet. Boom, it's there, right? I remember we had to do book reports, and we had to had the we had an encyclopedia. But if anybody didn't have one, they had to go to the library and look at theirs. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was no internet. Right. You know, that's the only way you could research was through books at the library. Right. <laughs> and we've our lifestyle has has become instant. Right. Everything sped up. We are going to have John Morgan on a podcast, and he was one of the youth that kind of grew up uh, with us in the ministry, and he is getting ready to go long term missions. You know, and we're so used to going on a mission field. It's like we go to Israel, you go for 10 days. and That's and the, not a mission field. Really. Not a mission field, but that <laughs> includes the day there and the day back. So you're right. only there for like eight days. And, and many sure. mission trips are, are short. Yeah. But way back when in the old days, when you had to take the boat there, it might take three weeks to a month to get to where you're going. You didn't come back right away. You stayed there for four or five years. Yeah. But anymore, you know, through technology. It's amazing what we can do now, but it's made us want everything right now. Yes. We want it now. We want it now. Fast, fast. Speed it up. Speed it up. We want the anointing right now. Yeah. But you got to pay a price for it. It doesn't come just right now. The promise comes from the beginning, Mm -hmm. but then you got to grow up into it. Yeah. And you know, Jesus said, except a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. 
So lots of times the thing that we see in a prophetic word is a seed. Mm -hmm. And we have to actually let it die before it will really come to fruition. Mm -hmm. And so here's David all these years running from Saul. Mm -hmm. And just before his breakthrough, everything falls apart. Yeah. There's this horrible thing of of losing his family and losing his home and and he's a, his men are, his own men are turning on him about to kill him. Yeah. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. It was a strength he had. Right. But my point is that there's this shaking uh-huh. that takes place right before the breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And if you find yourself in a place of being shaken, maybe you're on the verge of your breakthrough. So don't quit. Don't Don't give up. You're on the verge of the breakthrough. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Do you ever feel like like you're on the verge of a breakthrough? Have you felt that? Have you known it was, it's coming? Well, there's lots of breakthroughs (laughs) that (laughs) that that I've had, and I'm not sure whether I really knew that they were coming, but I, I know that there, that there have been times when, um, like waiting for a healing, like like mm-hmm. I had I had that um, call it, it a herniated, herniated, herniated disc. disc. Oh. oh man, man, oh man! And we we traveled miles and miles and hours, and you know it's nothing for us to travel eight to eight to twelve hours a day to when you have a twenty four hour trip to get somewhere. And and I set up a bed in the back of the van. We had all these books and put a like a mattress there. But I think she could uh, feel every bump oh, yeah. in the road. I know. felt every seam in the concrete, every seam between here and Chicago. There's a lot of seams. We're in Arkansas. We're so, in Arkansas. Uh, There's a lot of seams between here and Chicago, <laughs> and I felt every single one of them. <sighs> and I, I went on in pain for months, actually, not even knowing what it was. You know, I, I didn't. I wasn't inclined to go to the doctor. I I just figured I had a hitch in my get along, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought it was. So finally, uh, you know, we were we were on our spring trip that would go on for weeks at a time. And I remember when we were at Blue Mountain Christian Retreat, at that point mm. we would we would lead the worship. I could barely hold my guitar up to to lead worship. And when we were done, I would go and lie down under the book table. Yeah. And it was just so painful. So so painful. But but the presence of God was so sweet in that time. Wow. It was like I had this I had this presence that gave me the grace to endure. You know, I'm not I am please hear me. I am not for suffering <laughs> but but there was such a there was such a grace there was such a great grace well then then we got to one place and one of the ladies said you know i want to send you to my doctor so i went to her doctor and he did an x-ray and he said you have a herniated disc and he said go st- when you leave here go straight to a neurosurgeon and get this dealt with hmm. Wow. But I'm not inclined to go to a neurosurgeon. I, I'm just—I didn't have a peace about it. There was nothing in me that uh, that had peace. If the Lord gives you peace about going to a neurosurgeon, go yeah. to the neurosurgeon. But I didn't have that. Yeah. Well, what were you thinking when yeah, you're—it's like you're lying on the back. You're in all this pain, but the presence of the Lord is there. Oh, I was—I was saying to him, 
Oh, this is so sweet. I would be glad to endure this to have the sweetness of your presence wow. like this. I could just go on like this forever because your, your sweet presence is so wonderful. So when the glory is stronger than the pain. Oh, that's a good word. That's exactly what it was. The glory was stronger than the pain. Wow. And anyway, the, you know, the long and short of it was once I had the diagnosis, I thought, well, I'll try the chiropractor. Maybe the chiropractor can help me. Well, I went for weeks to the chiropractor and actually don't really know that we made any progress much. There was a little. It was, there was some improvement. But then it was time for convention. And so we did convention and, you know, I was some better. I was some better. Wasn't, I wasn't as bad as I was, you know, a few weeks earlier. And then, you know, one thing led to another and we traveled some in the summer and it wasn't as bad as it was. But I was being presented with a, a um, really challenging situations, personal situations that I, I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. And the pain probably, you know, I think, I think the inner pain was, mm -hmm. was in, in concert with the, outer, with the body pain. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I think that um, as I finally got my soul to get an agreement with my spirit. My spirit was in agreement with the Lord. And the Lord was saying, just do what you need to do. Mm -hmm. As I got my soul in accordance with that, and I just, I just went to work doing what I knew I needed to do. And you know, God gave the grace to do those things that I needed to do, that I didn't want to do, but I did them because, mm -hmm. because he gave me the grace to, and I could say yes then. And all of a sudden I realized I didn't have any more pain in my back. Wow. So the, the healing breakthrough came after all of the shaking. So this was the moment that changed you. Yeah, it really changed it really changed me in terms of of learning yet another level of the grace of God. What, was it in a meeting we were in? Or no. All of a sudden it was just No, gone. no. I was just sitting at my desk working. And you noticed it was uh, and I you know, I was I was setting about to do what was a what I needed to be doing and I realized wow. my back doesn't hurt anymore. Wow. Yeah. Because I just got I got into obedience. Mm -hmm. the, oh, the breakthrough was really obedience. My until I had the breakthrough in obedience, I didn't have the breakthrough in healing. Mm -hmm. And before I had the breakthrough in in obedience, I had the challenge of you know, here's here's this difficult situation, and and it was shaking me. It really was yeah. shaking me. It, it was, yeah, it was shake, shaking both of us. Yeah, I thought, well, how can we do what God's called us to do? Sure. When we're having to deal with all these things. Yeah, but but God gave the grace. Yeah. Now you've had a similar situation where everything was falling apart before you had a breakthrough. Yeah. You know, when God's got a call in your life and you got people praying for you, you know. But so I'm I'm uh. I'm 26 years old at this time. I've been through a bunch of stuff. And, you know, I was, got married when I was 19, when I was backslidden. And, and I'm just uh, trying, to, trying to live to be somebody, you mm. know. And, um, and guys my size, I mean, I was a 96-pound freshman. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> you don't try out for football or basketball and stuff <laughs> like that. But one sport I, I knew I could excel in, that was bowling. So I bowled a lot, and that... That was my focus, you know, was was just bowling. And every weekend, you know, to go bowling, 
you know, and then at the bowling alley, you know, when sometimes after work or something. But but I, I bowled three different leagues, and at one season I was doing four leagues, Tuesday night, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night. Wow. That that was too much. Mm, I would and think. you got to be a really hot bowler to, you know, to maintain that. And because I was, I wanted to be somebody, and I was at a streak. I was starting to do well and do very well and making money at it. You know, we fortunate to be on some really good teams. So when things are going well, you know, you don't want to quit. You know, you you're just going to keep on going especially if you're not asking God for direction. Mm -hmm. But when his timing, yes. see, everything to every season, turn, turn, turn. <laughs> <laughs> and my season of doing that was over, and I, I've been divorced. You know, I've, marriage lasted four years, and and I put an end to it, and, and it had to be done. And so I'm just trying to make it all on my own, and uh, it was, uh, I think, in February it was of, uh, of of one year of 1980. I received this notice that um, you know your department is a, a department is being terminated in this chemical plant I worked, and I'm one of the bottom people on the totem pole. And they've never had a layoff in their history. You know, this was the the first one, and so I'm bowling in three different leagues, and I figured the whole thing out. You know, it it costs fifty dollars a week to bowl. You know, and that was a lot back in nineteen eighty. Pots and kitties, but you get a lot of money back at the end of the year. How your team does, how you do personally, and high game or high average or something. And and so, and it was just a miraculous thing. I thought I'm just going to keep going, and I was just uh, just winning. You know, uh, like in the pot, each there'd be like a high game or something. And I was just winning money. And there was this one particular pot on the league. You know, it was a, called it, it was a 240 game, 240 or a six strikes in a row pot. Nobody broke it almost the whole first half of the season, which is just amazing, you know. And uh, they put money in it every, every Yeah, game. every, you know, you get into the pot, you put so much a dollar or something into it. And I won that. I had like a 256 or something. I had six or seven strikes in a row. And there was like two hundred and forty dollars in it, so it kept <laughs> Which, you going. It, that just kept me going. It was just amazing. And, and had you lost your car by then? Yeah, I had already lost my car year before. Yeah, yeah that yeah, was that was that was another shaking. That was a shaking. Yeah, when you lose your Trans -Am. your nice Trans Am, you know, <laughs> and stick taken right underneath your nose. You know, it was uh, so. It was a blow. It was a blow. And so I pour myself more into bowling and everything like that. You know, my life was kind of my the bowling alley. That's just where I was at that time. You know, and then then this went went through the summer. I actually came down to Dallas looking for work and all that. Still on unemployment. That's living, when we met with the first. Yeah, time that's we when met. we met. If we met for like five minutes, and mm -hmm. that's on another podcast we did earlier. <laughs> you know, and and so the the season came back in September. So I'm still not working. You know, the bowling to get the leagues getting together. And I found out I was replaced on our Friday night league, which was I, I called it our blood and guts uh, team. <laughs> you know, I had just some, you know, three of these bowlers were just really, really excellent. And we'd won first place two or three times. And, and we bowled as a team. You can, and when you're doing something as a team, you're going to do well. And we just, and we always bowl as a team. And they replaced me. And the only league I could get on was a mixed league, but it was my money league. 
and my average went downhill. Mm. I mean, I went down. I went Shaking. down from a one eighty three down to one sixty seven. Shaking. Shaking. I mean, I was rattled. My, you, know, you talk about a slump. You hear sports guys going into a slump, and it's everything that your life, you know, is entailed around. And no matter how much I practice, I couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong. But deep down inside, I kind of had a feeling that mm. maybe this is the end of it all for me as far as this part of my life, you know? <laughs> the end of walking for yourself. The end of walking for myself. But it was part of my breaking. Mm-hmm. God had to do that. And, you know, the, those suffering uh, endureth for a night, joy cometh in the there morning. There you go. That's somewhere in the Psalms there, you know? And But when you're going through stuff like this, especially if you don't have the Lord, yes. you know, and and I look back at that, you know, I, I had support group and, I had good friends and stuff like that. But they weren't one, helping you get close to Jesus, though. No, there was the wrong crowd, you know, for that. And and I tried to find a girlfriend, and it was mm-hmm. just like it just it just wouldn't happen. And that was God. He was not letting Thank me you, Jesus. be attached <laughs> to anybody. You know, every every attempt failed. <laughs> so it makes you feel like more of a failure, you know. And and everything I'm doing is falling apart. Yeah. And that's when I. When I came down here at our headquarters on Christmas Eve, and and I met Sharon, and and actually just just before that, I got a letter in the mail. You know, this this was what really rattled my cage. Then it was from the unemployment office. This is your last check. Yeah. I thought I had three more months, and I didn't. And I'm in a two bedroom apartment, living by myself. And actually, one uh, the other uh, bedroom with had spare parts for my GTO and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> you know. And I didn't want anybody to share the apartment with because I didn't want their problems coming into the place. You know? There you go. You know, and so all of a sudden, all this happens, and my aunt and uncle say, "Go on down to Arkansas for Christmas. We'll help you with the gas." Yeah. And, and the rest is history. And the rest is history. <laughs> and we told it on another podcast. Yeah, and but it was God's <laughs> timing. The my lease was up the end of that month. Yeah. Everything just fell together because it was his You his were timing. on the edge of a breakthrough. I was on the edge of a breakthrough, but what I had to go through. Right. I mean, it was like uh yeah. woe is me, I'm undone, you know. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like when an airplane is is getting into that zone where they're going to break through the sound barrier. Uh-huh. You know, when they were first w- trying to break the sound barrier, they didn't know what was going to happen and 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 the the plane would just shake wow. when they would get close to it. And and then there's something amazing that happens that the sound barrier which is invisible as you're breaking it it becomes visible. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like there's a revelation that comes. Wow. As you break through. You can see the light. <laughs> yeah, you can see the light. There's a revelation that comes. And so, uh, you know, we're going to talk, I'm going to talk more about that. I'm going to preach about it at, at our convention. We probably won't tell some of these stories that we just told. But the idea that uh, when you're on the verge of the breakthrough, mm-hmm. when you're on the edge of the breakthrough, things are going to be falling apart. You might even see that around you in some way we we see it in the in our nation right now mm-hmm. that things are are shaking things are yeah. falling apart there's there's trouble there's chaos there's turmoil 
but we're on the edge of a breakthrough yes. because we're on, we're about to have the outpouring. This is, this is leading up to the outpouring. And, and I'll share that. I'll share more of that in, uh, in, at the convention, but I just wanted to give you a little, a little glimpse into what the Lord has put on my heart to, to share in, in that time. And we look forward to having you with us. I hope you can come, come to Jasper, Arkansas. It is beautiful. It is in the beautiful Ozark Mountains. And you can go to our website, globaloutpouring.org, and look at all of the information about this convention and come if you can. If you can't come, you can tune in on our website. uh, Excuse me. You can tune in on our YouTube channel and our Facebook page, and we'll be streaming our meetings to those places. But we hope you can come and join us and get into that that rich, rich, anointed atmosphere and let God do something and bring you to your breakthrough. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, This is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence. Mm -hmm.